Welcome to the Disrupting Obesity Podcast. I'm Charlotte Skeins, and I'll be sharing ways to regain control over your body and lose an extreme amount of weight naturally. Being fat is about so much more than just the food. It's about your relationship with food. That means that dealing with your weight is about more than just the food too. You have to change that relationship. You have to start disrupting obesity. I used to hoard purses and earrings and shoes. I loved them. And then there's the hair. The pink is new. It's a whole since the almost dying thing. But before that, my hair, it was pretty nuts. It was never pink, um, but it's been pretty much every other color you can think of except for green. I've, I've been a big fan of crazy hair colors since my late 20s. I, I guess I was an early adopter. But I loved purses and shoes and earrings for all the same reasons that I loved my crazy hair aside from just getting to play with it and getting to feel like myself. But I also loved all that stuff because it drew attention away from my body. It gave people something else to look at. I know it's sad. I can hear the groans, but it's very true. And I know I'm not alone. Lots of us try to hide our bodies, cover them up, distract people from them, whether it's what we wear, the way we carry ourselves, the stuff we say. Being the loudest person in the room is a way to hide too. Big personalities are sometimes hiding the big shame of a big body. I wasn't the happy fat person. I mean, I was a happy person and I had the same big personality that I do now. I was super outgoing, but I didn't like being fat. I felt very judged. I felt defensive. I didn't feel happy about my size or the way that I looked. I also felt alone with it in a lot of ways. I mean, it's such a personal thing, right? It's your body and the food you put in it. It doesn't get a whole lot more personal than that. And we're talking about extreme weight loss, right? We're talking about a broken relationship with food. And I loved food. I still do. But my relationship with food is very different than what it was before. So some of us hide. I felt like I was in this weird in-between state where my weight made me invisible in some situations and stick out in others, right? It's so strange to feel conspicuous and ignored at the same time. And I was super fat before there were super fats. There was no body positivity at all when I was fat. None. Less than none. Society was moving in the exact opposite direction. Being fat in the 90s and early aughts royally sucked. It was the era of heroin chic right? And they actually called it that. And they thought it was in a good way. And if you go back and look at the pictures of the women being publicly shamed for their weight, for not conforming with that nearly impossible ideal, it's nuts. It's completely insane. I turned 20 in 1999 and I was well on my way to the 300s. The check was in the mail. Things were in motion. Things were on the upswing weight-wise. Not not in a good way, not in a good way, at least not with my weight, right? Lots of good things were happening. I started at my dream university that year. Sean and I had been together for two years. Things were good. We were living together. There, there were so many good things. But the cultural landscape was very much thin as in. And I mean in. And it wasn't what we think of as thin now, right? It, it was more of a skeletal ideal. There were sternums and rib cages just all over the place. Women who would now be considered quite thin were being called fat pigs by the media. I, 
I don't want to name real names or center anybody out because you have to understand how completely pervasive this was. It was almost a skinny mania. I mean, shit, they convinced everybody that Bridget Jones was enormous. And it's just, it's ludicrous, right? Now, I don't know, but I'm very sure that there's a Gladys out there who'll let me know if I'm even slightly wrong on this. But I would be surprised, like very surprised, if Bridget Jones was outside the normal BMI range, right? There's no way she was obese, but everybody acted like she was. And for me, sitting there going, holy shit, that's fat? What the fuck does that make me? It was devastating for every actual fat girl sitting at home or looking at the magazines at the checkout and being told that the women they admired, the pop stars, the movie and TV stars, there were models that were being shamed for being fat with nobody seeming to question it or stop it or say that it was wrong. Everybody's condoning the shaming with their silence or their laughter. And we're being told that those women's bodies are undesirable, horrible, so horrible that they deserve to be put on a magazine cover pointing out just how fat they were. I'm grateful I was older, not the messaging was a ton better when I was in grade school in the 80s, but I feel like women's bodies were far more realistic and reasonable than they became as the 90s turned into the aughts. I can't imagine being 10 when everyone was basically saying that you needed to look like you'd been doing some serious drugs for a while to be what everybody wanted. And I don't want to name names and pick on those women either because it's not right or fair. They don't deserve to be shamed any more than their allegedly heavyset counterparts. And I hope that's what we're moving towards now, an end to the shaming, all of the shaming. And I don't mean body positivity. I, I do. I think we should all be positive when it comes to our bodies. Being negative about it doesn't help anybody. The body positivity movement has had a marvelous impact. Change is happening. At the same time, Telling someone who weighs 600 pounds that they're going to be just fine and all they have to do is love themselves isn't productive or realistic. It actually feels pretty reckless to me. I'm not talking about the way people look. There are loads of fit, fat people. That's not who I'm talking about. We're seeing it more on social. Former members of the body positivity movement who are acknowledging that they were using their mislaid positivity as an excuse to just keep eating whatever they wanted while their weight continued to spiral. Then there's the deeply shady underbelly of the whole body positivity movement where women who decide to make some changes to get their weight and their health under control are being shamed for that choice. And I gotta tell you how ridiculous and just borderline enraging that is to me. I thought, maybe wrongly, that the body positivity movement was pushed back against the decades of shaming and judgment and bigotry. Not sure how that lines up with making people feel bad. Now, clearly that's not everybody. You know, I don't do absolutes unless I absolutely have to. I don't usually like sentences with words like always or never in them, but I can say that I will never argue that you can't be fat and fit. It's a ridiculous premise. Of course you can. I'm equally certain that if you're in the super or the shiny new hyper morbid category and you're doing serious exercise and keeping both your musculature and your cardiovascular health in you know really decent shape, like you could jog for a while if you had to in an emergency. If you're doing both those things and you're super or hyper obese, you're very rare. And that's why I call the body positivity movement reckless. 
I'm all for loving yourself no matter what. And at the same time, I believe you can love yourself and have things you want to change about your body. But I also separate myself from my body. I believe that I'm not my body. I'm the thing that lives inside it. So I can love myself completely and not be happy with my body at the same time. I'm not divorcing myself from the responsibility for my body. I definitely need to be the one driving that bus, but I'm refusing to accept that who I am begins and ends and is completely tied to my physical self. And I want to be very clear that this belief wasn't because of my weight. It has nothing to do with my weight. I was raised this way. My dad was a polio survivor with multiple physical limitations, but he was completely extraordinary. He spoke four languages. He played five different instruments. So it was normal for me that we're not our bodies. We're the things that live inside them. I also want to say that I'm in a place where I do completely love both myself and my body. Do I have a lot of work to do? Yeah, I do. But I've also been caught in a terrible cycle with my body lately. Um, after I got sick in 2016, it took years to come back. And I don't think that I was completely there when I got sick again in 2022. I'd been going to the gym for about six months at that point, but it was a very long road to get to that gym. Uh, in April of 2019, the walk back and forth from the boys' school damn near killed me. And it was just over two kilometers round trip. I was essentially using my stroller as a walker, but it did get easier and I got stronger. By the time I got sick three years later with the pancreatic pseudocyst, I was doing light exercise at the gym. Some of that, you know, the strength building machines that control your movement and you can control how much weight was on them. That was it. After I got home that June in 2022, I was back to using the stroller, which no longer had a kid in it, but I needed it as a walker. So I worked at it again the whole summer was really tough, but I built myself up. And when the boys went back to school in September, I could handle that walk without a stroller. And I headed back into the gym. I was super grateful for the small amount of muscle that I'd managed to build before I got sick because it made it so much easier to recover. I'd been on nearly complete bed rest for about a month. So I'd lost that muscle, but I had something to lose. So it wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been, as it would have been. And that's what I kept telling myself as I started basically back at the beginning in the gym. When I got sick last August, I had, I was down for six weeks and I had two surgeries, but it's been my easiest road back. And yeah, I'm back in the gym, back on those machines with the weight super low and the reps very slowly building up. So my body and I are on super good terms. I'm about as grateful as it gets. I've put it through a lot and there've been some just, just completely crazy zebra moments for us medically, but I'm about as positive as my body as I think a person can possibly be. And that's why I'm working so hard to make it as strong and as healthy as I can. At my heaviest, I had a BMI of 61.8. A healthy BMI is between 18 and a half and 25. 30 or higher is obese, 40 and up, it's called different things by different groups. For my generation, it was super, super morbid obesity. There was no 60 and up category or classification when I was living in it, but not very long ago now, the WHO added a new category. Because there are so many people with a BMI over 60 that they needed one, which is pretty scary stuff. And we can hide 
behind the purses we carry and the earrings and the shoes or the crazy hair, but it's still really scary. I was terrified. I was scared shitless. And I had every right to be. I didn't need to be positive. I didn't feel positive. No one was ever going to convince me that I belonged in my 338 pound body. I'm five foot two. And yeah, I carry it well. But over three is over three. At my height, even carrying it well, over two is over two. Forget how I looked though. That was really the very, very least of my fears. I mean, yeah, it sucked that I couldn't get the super cute clothes that I wanted without driving across the border. But it's also a miracle that I didn't have diabetes or heart problems, right? I was in serious trouble. You can't sugarcoat that. Well, you can. It seems like there's a lot of people trying right now, but it's not helpful. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not going to be ashamed of the fact that I was so scared or that I felt embarrassed by my body and I couldn't spin it in a way that made me not feel embarrassed. I wasn't proud of the way that I looked and I'm not ashamed of that. Those are valid feelings. I'm allowed to have them and you're allowed to have them too. Which, put your keyboard down, Gladys. It's a very different thing from saying that you should feel embarrassed or not proud of the way that you look. Nope, that's definitely not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's okay if you do feel that way. It really is. When Sean told me that he was scared, those are the moments in life where you feel like you need to take a knee, which I couldn't really do, by the way. Not easily, not at my size. He told me that he loved me and that he always would, that we'd loved each other since we were kids, which was true. He said that he'd been watching me tie my shoes and I got winded and it really scared him and that he would help me in any way that I wanted. Yeah, so that was a moment. It wasn't enough even that. But when you combine it with my other big aha moment, which I am nowhere near ready to talk about publicly, the two of them together were enough. Then I started to make some changes. But my BMI was 61.8, which isn't a great number. That's an I was going to die from food number. Now, I didn't know my BMI. I had no clue. I had to look it up for one of the early episodes. But that's how I felt, like I was going to die because of the way that I was eating. And it was terrifying. But instead of being motivating, it was paralyzing. I felt completely stuck and completely trapped in my physical self. And it was becoming even more a part of my personality too. Not just being fat, but the pulling back. The way I was starting to be stuck and trapped. I wasn't a big fan of any of those things. I hated the way I looked. I wanted to hide my body as much as I possibly could. Purses, earrings, shoes and hair, things that drew attention up or away. It's okay to be scared. It really is. Just don't let it paralyze you. Little decisions, small incremental changes are your way out. I know how tempting it is to overhaul everything all at once. It's so exciting. It's not the way. And you already know that because you've likely already tried that you know the big overhaul doesn't work, but it feels so good to make those massive sweeping changes. It feels like you're actually doing something. Leaving the last slice of pizza you definitely would have eaten before is doing something. Only buttering one side of the sandwich is doing something. Getting a large instead of an extra large is doing 
something. I know it's not the level of change you've been conditioned to believe is acceptable, but it really is. If you're climbing a mountain, you can stare at the top all you want, but you're only going to get there one little step at a time. You can't get there without each and every one of them. That means they're all equally important. Not just the last steps as you cross the midway point and those first few steps onto the summit. Without the ones at the bottom, none of the other steps are possible. And you're climbing a mountain. So let's keep our eyes on those feet and move them as slowly as we need to to make sure that you get to that summit. This isn't a sprint. It's going to take time. That sucks. I know it sucks. It's a hard thing to reconcile yourself to, but it's also very freeing. If it's going to take time, that means you have time. You don't have to hurry. You don't have to do the pressure thing. You can give yourself the mental space to let it take the time it's going to take and use it to your advantage. If it's going to take time, you don't have to do it all right now. You don't have to change everything at once. Take your time. Rushing isn't going to get it right. And you want to do this right. I've been to the end. And please believe me, the only thing you want is more time. So take the time now to do this right, so that not only will you have more time to enjoy it, it'll be a better quality of time. If you'd like some help with that, I've created a couple of resources for you. The first is my free guide to get started for the last time. And there's a link in the notes. And the second is my weight loss workbook, Disruptor. You can find it on Amazon by searching Disruptor and my name, Charlotte Skeins. If you're in Australia and you'd like a copy, please reach out to me directly so that I can help because for weird technical reasons, it doesn't print there. Thank you so much for all your encouragement and support. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss anything and keep trying, keep tracking. Don't be intimidated and don't give up. You've totally got this. Thank you for listening to Disrupting Obesity with Charlotte Skeins. If you know it's time to take back control, lose the weight and keep it off, reach out to me privately with a direct message on Instagram that says ready so you can start disrupting obesity.